Hello, and thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. Today, we are going to be discussing branding and marketing. This is a topic that we are revitalizing from our first season. It was two separate episodes last season where we differentiated between branding and marketing. These were two of our most popular episodes and ones that we saw athletic trainers taking action on. We got tons of great feedback, so we wanted to make sure that listeners for this season didn't miss out on the information. For those of you who are joining us from last season, much of what you will hear today will be reinforcement, but this time you'll get to earn free CEUs for it. Key learning objectives. Understand the definition and meaning of branding and marketing and how it applies to athletic training. Identify components of a brand for both personal and professional use. Recognize the primary components of marketing and specific examples of each for athletic training utilization. Comprehend the significance to our profession of developing a personal professional brand and have the tools to put forward marketing efforts in alignment with that brand. As always, we will start out with defining our topics. So branding. According to wikipedia.com, a brand is a name, term, design, symbol, or other feature that distinguishes one seller's product from those of others. Branding is a subset of marketing. Marketing is a catch-all term to envelop all of the efforts associated with the public's interaction of a company. The brand is just one subset of the marketing efforts. While it can be used for marketing, it itself is not the entirety of marketing, which brings us to the definition of marketing. It is most widely defined as the communications between a company and its customers, or more specifically, according to the American Marketing Association, it is defined as the activity, set of institutions, and processes for creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have value for customers, clients, partners, or society at large. Okay, that was a whole lot to digest. So let's break it down so that we can understand it a little bit better for our own understanding. So marketing is a large umbrella that encompasses many facets of how a business or person displays themselves. And creating a brand is a crucial step in the marketing development. Branding is actually an ancient practice dating back several centuries. You may recognize it from farming where ranchers used irons to burn their designation into cattle or livestock. This was a way for others to easily identify a certain farm based on the unique characteristics of their brand. Just like we see today with the bullseye symbol for Target or the Apple logo. 
creating a recognizable brand can actually be profitable if it is deemed that the brand has value associated with it. So if branding is your personal attire, your communications, your decisions, then you can look at marketing as an extension of those. For example, your athletic training facility or the space that you work out of, the kit that you might carry, or the techniques that you utilize. Marketing helps to build a more full picture of what your brand is. Though oftentimes branding and marketing are used interchangeably, it's important to understand that they are not the same. To relate it to athletic training, prevention is only one subset of what we do. That's the same as branding being only one subset of marketing. We are really only going to be touching on that one subset, branding, today, but I want you to understand how They are two different things, even though they are very closely related and one is a part of the other. What's always most important to me is that you are able to see how these business topics apply to your setting and everyday practice. I think that we've done a great job in this episode of giving it an abundance of examples that you can extract and apply in your own practice. So if you're already feeling a little bit overwhelmed by just hearing the definition or meaning of branding and marketing, just stick with me. I promise this will be palpable by the time we finish. So what value does this topic have to athletic training and, you know, just generally our profession? One of the most difficult aspects of developing a brand and brand recognition is knowing and understanding the audience. Because as important as it is to understand internally what we are trying to portray, branding is also about how the consumer or the customer interacts with our brand. So it's about defining what it is for you, but also knowing what they are looking for and how to convey ourselves appropriately to them. Perhaps you're thinking, what do I as a high school athletic trainer care about what the consumer or the customer is looking for? How does that even affect me? Well, in your instance, the customer is the administration or the parents that are at your school. So what if their idea of an athletic trainer is someone who wears a white coat and has a stethoscope around their neck? Well, then you've got to do some work to help them understand that as a medical practitioner, you operate in a different environment that does not warrant a white coat. And if you don't do this, you will likely continue to fail to meet their expectations thereby hurting your brand and that of the athletic training profession. This is how you make yourself relevant and valuable to the consumer. Branding achieves value by closing the gap 
between what in their mind costs money and what they perceive to be gaining from the money that they spend. So branding is what helps them make the decision more quickly and more easily. In an ideal situation, you would simply be able to state, I am an athletic trainer, and they would fully understand all that comes with this, including appropriate pay, level of expertise, and your attire. Creating a brand is about who you are, who you intend to be, and how you want to be perceived. It's about knowing what you stand for and how you communicate the values of your services. Whether you know it or not, you are already a walking brand for yourself. How you dress, how you approach problems, and just generally speaking, how you practice athletic training is all part of your personal brand. And this is what we will work on honing throughout the episode. Brand recognition and brand awareness are different. Recognition is exactly what it sounds like. You're able to recognize it. This would be the people who are aware of what an athletic trainer is, but maybe not all that they do. Awareness, on the other hand, is the ability for the consumer to readily identify the brand with the product. So for example, if we state, I am an athletic trainer, the other person would automatically know all that comes along with this role, including our level of education, various responsibilities, perhaps even the settings that we work in. This is the area where our profession could benefit the most. In some parts of the country, we haven't even really solidified brand recognition. So we haven't even gotten to a point where people know if I just say I'm an athletic trainer, generally speaking, they have an idea of where of what it is, let alone awareness, which is kind of the full encompassment of what an athletic trainer is. It's probably safe to say that on the East Coast, probably in the South and over in Texas, athletic training definitely has brand recognition and probably even to an extent brand awareness. But as you move further west and you get into California, or just generally speaking, making a statement about athletic training on a national basis, I would say it's probably safe to say that we do not yet have brand recognition and definitely not awareness on a grand scale. However, the commercials that we're seeing that air during NFL games and other initiatives that are going on are really helping us kind of push that agenda forward. Going back to what I discussed in our intro episode, this is a great example of the strong versus the weak side theory. For those who missed the intro, the basis behind this is that 
essentially, do we allocate more resources towards the strong side to make it bigger, faster, stronger, or do we allocate resources towards the weak side in an effort to bridge the gap and make the overall team stronger? So neither one of the answers is really right or wrong, but I argued that emphasizing the weak side can be displayed in those of you who are choosing to advance your business skills by by listening to this podcast, with the other argument being that our strong side is our clinical skills. So if we take that to what we're discussing here with brand recognition and awareness, the strong side argument would perhaps state that those areas like the East Coast or Texas who have strong brand recognition should be given more resources because they are the most progressive. And the weak side argument would state that we should examine what Texas has done to get to where they are and attempt to allocate some of those resources to other areas of the country where recognition is lacking. Of course, to an extent, each state, region, or district is going to have its own, you know, sort of level of dysfunction, if you will. And it's much easier said than done to just simply replicate what's been done in one area into another. Each area is going to have its own set of challenges. However, I do think that there is something to be said for what the East Coast and states like Texas have been able to accomplish in way of professional progress. So, you know, same goes for business skills. There are some of us who are more proficient than others, but just like how other states could work to catch up with Texas, we could all work individually to increase our business acumen. We're going to switch gears now and zoom out a little bit from branding to visit the marketing side of things. I want to share with you the primary components of marketing, and then we will dive back into branding and look at practical examples and applications to athletic training. In marketing, there's something commonly known as the four P's. We used businessdictionary.com to help define these. One, product. This is the good or service that will meet the consumer's demand or need. Our product is sports medicine services, or more specifically, it is prevention, evaluation, and rehabilitation of orthopedic injuries. Your product may vary slightly depending on the type of setting that you are in. But even myself, who owns a staffing agency, that doesn't change that the product I staff is still an athletic trainer who provides sports medicine services. Most settings that I can think of, physician extender or, excuse me, athletic trainer working in a physician office... (laughs) performing arts, industrial, all have athletic trainers offering sports medicine services. The only different kind of setting I can think of is someone who is self-employed and maybe does strength and conditioning or personal training on the side, though I do still believe that their product would have sports med integrations in it. Number two, price. 
How much will it require to obtain the good or service? Often determined based on the value the good or service is deemed to provide. It's important that the price is not too high or too low in relation to the value. Understanding how the end user perceives the value, which is why branding is so important, will determine how much they are willing to pay. So if the good or service is priced too low, it may come off as cheap. Or if the price is too high, it may be perceived as not being worth it. In my opinion, pay kind of requires a little bit of trial and error. Um, You know, even as a bona fide business person, they would probably tell you to conduct focus groups and, you know, do all kinds of research and, and, you know, visit competitors and determine what's a good price point. But, you know, honestly, who's got time for that? Um, I'm kind of an advocate of the trial and error, and that's kind of how I ended up where I did. Uh, Asking around doesn't hurt, but, um, you know, price is really a difficult area to kind of land on specifically and get it right the first time. So if you're struggling with that side of it, it's fine. As well, there are several other factors that will play into what someone is willing to pay. Uh, And that lends itself to the value model. So there is supply and demand, there's competition, and various other factors that may influence the price that you are able to charge or the price that people are willing to pay. Though, to an extent, regardless of any other element that may come into play, If you do a great enough job building your brand, it won't matter if there is a surplus of supply with little demand or that there is any other competition in the marketplace. An example of this is Apple. They have demonstrated the ability to get people to pay more for their product based on the perceived and probably the realistic value, regardless of how much supply they may have available or what other competitors are putting out there. So basically, regardless of what Dell or Samsung uh, or other computer and phone manufacturers are doing, Apple can kind of do what it wants and consumers are going to stick with it because they've demonstrated that their brand is valuable. I know that price is kind of always a heated topic in athletic training, and truly there is a reason why our pay varies across the country and across different settings. And it is because of perceived value and brand recognition and awareness, like we've just touched on. In areas where athletic trainers are readily identified and acknowledged as being healthcare providers that have that brand awareness and people understand what it is that we do, you're going to be able to charge more for your services. 
However, in other parts of the country, California, for example, where we lack licensure and we struggle to be able to differentiate ourselves from either other medical practitioners or a personal trainer, there's a much lower perceived value. Therefore, people aren't willing to pay as much for the services. Again, this is an opportunity to strengthen our weak side and bring the entire profession up as a result. So number three, place, how and where the product will be delivered. The environment in which a good or service is supplied makes a difference in how the consumer perceives and values it. So think of place in athletic training as setting, looking at clinic and industrial positions compared to secondary school settings. For example, an athletic trainer might get paid higher as a clinic or industrial athletic trainer as opposed to working in the secondary school setting. That is because the place that we work at has an impact on what people are willing to pay for our services. When we go to a doctor's office, we expect to pay more for a service than when we go to a football game. That's why we're all willing to pay a $20 or $30 copay to be seen by a doctor Whereas we probably wouldn't pay more than $10 to get into a high school sporting event. The environment in which we operate changes the perceived value of what we are offering. If you were shopping at TJ Maxx versus Ashley Furniture for a dresser, where would you expect to pay more? probably Ashley Furniture would be the most expensive and you would expect it to be so because you're shopping at Ashley Furniture. However, if you go to TJ Maxx and see an Ashley Furniture furniture dresser, you're going to want to pay less because you're at TJ Maxx. If you use a service example, think about how you expect to be waited on when you have a dinner at a nice steakhouse versus when you go to Red Robin. You're more forgiving of the wait staff at Red Robin because you're paying less of a price and your expectations and perceived value aren't as high. When you go to a nice steakhouse, Ruth's Chris, for example, you would be pretty upset if you received poor service because your perceived value of that experience is higher. Number four, promotional strategy. This is the advertising, the sales, the promotions, etc. Essentially, this is the communication aspect of marketing especially when you think specifically about advertising. So don't let the word advertising and sales and promotions scare you because I understand how you can think, Alicia, that has nothing to do with avid training. What are you talking about? Really think of this as the communication of your brand and the marketability of what you do in your setting. Promotional strategy 
is an area where I think high school athletic trainers or per diem workers have the upper hand to clinical or industrial. So kind of flipping the script on what we had just said. Personally, I think that the promotion of an athletic trainer on the sidelines or at a sporting event is far more valuable than promoting an athletic trainer who works in a doctor's office or a PT clinic. Think about it. In the sideline scenario, we are the sole medical provider, which puts our product right in front of the consumer, has no competition, and the marketability is high, thus increasing our value. Whereas in a doctor's office or a PT clinic, there are several medical providers who all may have an overlap in our clinical areas whom our value has to compete with and thereby diminishes our marketability. It's our job as athletic trainers with these newly acquired business understandings to identify the strength of our positions and focus on those in our marketing. Again, marketing does not have to be selling yourself to a school district or picking up clients outside of your regular athletic training job. Marketing is utilizing the four Ps to negotiate yourself a higher wage. Marketing is increasing your profession's perceived value by highlighting what sets us apart from other practitioners. All right, if you're still struggling to understand how this might apply to you, I've got more examples for you. Combining what we know about branding and marketing, what does this look like for the everyday athletic trainer? Considering the secondary school athletic trainer, let's say that you provide baseline concussion testing or PPEs and cardiac screening to the athletes at your school. This is offering a service to the community that reflects your personal athletic training brand, which is prevention, and markets towards the audience you are looking to attract, student-athletes. But it also increases your value on campus and sets your position apart from perhaps a neighboring high school who sends athletes off campus for PPEs. In the industrial setting, a common service of the industrial athletic trainer is ergonomics testing or improving workspace functionality and just general screening of employees for work-appropriate abilities. This is a unique skill set to your type of athletic training practice that is marketable to your employer and end user to create perceived value. As well, you're working in a setting that doesn't interact with a medical practitioner at work, which also increases your value. Looking at performing arts or entertainment athletic trainers, They often come in contact with the utilization of workers' compensation. If you have the ability to read and understand workers' comp and you become proficient in speaking that language, you can position yourself as a valuable asset to the entertainment industry. It's important to understand that 
while athletic trainers work in various settings, who we are at the core remains the same. Whether you're casting and splinting in a doctor's office or a professor at a university, the end goal is to care for the patient. The university educator may be a few steps further away from the actual clinical care, but they are teaching the athletic trainers who have their hands on athletes every single day. If you're having a hard time determining what your brand of athletic training is, pull out your resume to look over. If it's written well, which is essentially that it highlights all the great things that you've done at each job, your brand should start to jump out at you pretty quickly. Are you the strong clinician who has several advanced certifications? Or maybe you have held many jobs at once and you're the professional freelancer. Or you have a strong educational background with tons of research that you've conducted and are pursuing a PhD or a DAT. If your brand isn't jumping out to you when you're looking at your resume or you're just reflecting back on what it is that makes you unique, maybe you should take some time to sit and think about it or write it down or redo your resume and consider what it is that sets you apart in how you practice athletic training. That will then become your marketability. So now that I've uh, hopefully gotten you all excited thinking about what your own personal brand of athletic training might be and how to market yourself, I'm going to take the lights off of you for a second and we're going to look at what NATA does on a larger scale to represent us as athletic trainers and to market themselves. Hopefully this outside example will just give you further reinforcement of the difference between a brand and a market and also how to further define what this is and what it looks like for you. The NATA changed their logo in 2013 as the result of essentially all of us, the congregation, stating that the previous logo with the running man did not identify us as healthcare practitioners, but further confused others as to our distinction between personal trainers and athletic trainers. According to the NATA, the new logo optimizes the AT portion of the NATA acronym, incorporated a more caduces type staff to indicate a medical profession, and the blue color was also discovered to be associated with health, healing, and tranquility, while also representing knowledge and power. Former President Jim Thornton states, This is our brand, and we should be proud of it. I found this on the NATA website. Quote, When we developed our new NATA logo, we made our design decisions based upon building the AT brand. We want everyone to know 
who athletic trainers are and to understand the service they are providing to physically active people across the country. So we embrace the AT symbol as a visual representation of the overall athletic training brand. I also think it was around this time, or maybe this is just when they started enforcing it, that we dropped the C in referring to ourselves as ATs instead of ATCs. This went in line with the new rebranding, and as I learned, ATC is just the credential, not how we are supposed to be referring to each other. We have to decide both professionally and personally who we want to be, and how we want to be understood. NATA has taken the charge on this, giving us a foundation to build on. But now it's our turn to be the everyday face of that brand. We get to interact with the consumer and either solidify or change their minds about what they thought an athletic trainer was. One of the reasons why it is so important to continually refer to ourselves as athletic trainers is to keep the brand consistent. For both historical and current reasons, this is why we refrain from the use of just trainer. Historically, because that is what got us confused with personal trainers, and currently, because it's just simply not part of the larger brand that we are trying to create for ourselves. With the brand that NATA has created, some of their marketing efforts are surrounded around the annual symposium and expo, the Safe School Sport Awards, National Athletic Training Month, the NATA News. We know and understand the NATA brand, and what we interact with are the different marketing aspects of what they put out. Also, the reason why when you go to conferences, there is such a myriad of different topics is because we all have our own brand of athletic training, and each of those topics is marketing towards our brand. For example, there's everything from leadership development to advancements in ACL reconstruction. We typically choose talks that are in alignment with our brand of athletic training. This is another way for you to try to figure out what your brand is if you're still struggling. Think about the talks that most attract you when you go to a symposium or a, a conference or convention. To summarize, branding is the consistent message that the consumer knows and sees. Despite the setting that you work in or conference that you attend or event that you put on, you are an athletic trainer. That remains consistent across all marketing aspects that you may encounter. Branding should precede any marketing efforts. Before you can identify a marketing strategy for yourself, you have to know your personal and professional brand. If you intend to be a university educator in athletic training, maybe it doesn't make too much sense for you to rally behind a marketing plan to revitalize the local high school's athletic training room. 
Contrarily, if you are a collegiate athletic trainer, it probably makes a good amount of sense for you to put your energies behind the autonomous decision-making that was uh, put into effect this last spring with the, the big five conferences. Either way, your marketing efforts and what you do and what you choose to focus on should be in alignment with how you practice athletic training. It should complement and build upon your brand identity. I found a great article on entrepreneur.com that asks four simple questions when it comes to personal branding. One, what is your professional purpose? What gets you out of bed in the morning besides just needing to make a paycheck? Why are you doing what you're doing? Again, going back to our fulfillment episode, number one, what is your why? Number two, where do you want to be in three years? This should help you define where you're at now and where you want to go. This is going to be part of your brand. Three, what do I want to be known for? This is really important to identify. It's not just about who you want to be and where you want to go, but also to clearly understand where you don't want to be and don't want to go to help keep you on track. Number four, who are my heroes and mentors? Pinpoint what it is about those you admire that you cherish the most about and strive to achieve those qualities. For me, that person is Julie Max, our first female president of the NATA. She embodies humility and humor in ways that I could only hope to achieve. You know, maybe you are a conservative athletic trainer who relies on trusted and true methods and you stick to a strict schedule of return to play. Or maybe you're an out-of-the-box athletic trainer who is willing to use speculative research as an opportunity to potentially get your athletes back quicker with less pain. Whatever it is that defines how you practice athletic training, that is part of your personal brand. I want to be clear that marketing is different than selling. Selling is about tricks and techniques that get people to trade cash for something. It does not focus on the value. Marketing identifies the strengths, focuses on the value, and encourages consumers to pay for a product by developing demand and then fulfilling that need for them. So now that you have taken some time to determine what your brand of athletic training is, what can you do to market yourself, your position, or your setting that helps build the entire brand of athletic training and engage the consumer? What are things that your brand offers that sets you apart and differentiates you from other brands of athletic training? I encourage you to take a few moments to determine what do you want your personal and professional brand to be? What does it look like, feel like, sound like? How will you convey that in a way that is effectively communicated in all that you do? Take a step further and define a few sentences that you could quickly and easily say about yourself and who your brand is. 
The better you get at defining who you are, what you want to be, and how you want to be perceived, the stronger we will all get in representing ourselves as a recognizable brand. Now, how could you market that brand in the next couple of months? What is that product or service? What is the placement of it? How will you promote it? And how can you price it? If you could focus on putting to market two ideas per year, you would be benefiting your brand and the overall brand of athletic training. National Athletic Training Month is an excuse to market yourself once per year. So identify one more opportunity for yourself. Also, since we're on the topic of NATA, I want to clarify that it's not the NATA's responsibility to ensure that we are representing ourselves in alignment with their brand. Contrarily, they give us the tools, such as an updated logo and a reference for how to properly refer to ourselves, and it's our responsibility to carry that out. You know, they have a marketplace where you can purchase apparel if you're unsure of what a, pro- a professional attire might look like and other resources on their website to steer you in the right direction to ensure that we are presenting and representing ourselves in an appropriate way. So let's not be so quick to point the finger to our national body and to place blame If we haven't yet done an analysis of ourselves to see how well we are already implementing the tools that they have given us. As a takeaway, remember that you are the everyday interaction that consumers have with the brand of athletic training. Those of you in the secondary setting, you are likely the only athletic trainer that that population will ever interact with. And the same goes for industrial athletic trainers. How are you presenting yourself? How are you representing the profession? Be cognizant of the fact that you are shaping the idea of what the general public thinks an athletic trainer is. Also, when you're looking at other athletic trainers and how they practice, be critical of the potential judgment that you are placing on them. We all practice athletic training in our own unique way, which is what makes this profession so special. My peers don't have to perform a Lockman like I do, probably because they have bigger hands than I do and don't need to modify it. But we can't just sit in judgment of how others practice and not also recognize that we each have our own personal brand of athletic training. We need to be careful of our criticism of how others practice, including in other settings. I often hear snarky remarks about an athletic trainer who works in a doctor's office or has an administrative role. People think that they're too far removed. They don't have their hands in the, in the dirt or they're not in the trenches. But what does that say about your brand? Is it negative and condescending? Or would you rather be known as the peer who uplifts others and recognizes the advances that those athletic trainers are making for our profession by working in non-traditional roles or by shaping the future of athletic trainers in the instance of an, of an administrator or a professor? Sometimes our practice doesn't always look the same, but at the heart, we are all athletic trainers. Thank you for listening. 
I expect that you have a more thorough and realistic understanding of branding and marketing now, especially in how it applies to athletic training. You can go to www.theadvantage.com slash CEU to take your quiz and claim your free continuing education units. Please join us on our next episode, which will be negotiation. Thank you to Mr. Logistics for the music that you've heard throughout.